All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? You glad to be here? Hey, now listen, it is almost Christmas. You understand that it is this coming Wednesday. We are three days away from the big day. Guys, it's this Wednesday. All right, not next Wednesday, it's this Wednesday. So, you know, you're like, what? This Wednesday? Yeah, this Wednesday. So if you're going to buy something, go ahead and get that done. Make that trip to Walmart on Tuesday or on Monday, you know, got to get that done, all right? Because it's coming up on us, you know? And Christmas, it's, there's so much pressure, right, to have the perfect day. You know, you just, you just want everything to be perfect. You want the meal to be perfect. You want the gift to be perfect. You want everybody to get along, right? You want everybody to show up. Everybody not get sick and everything just to be so right that it's so hard to, to make everything just so. I mean, after all, we count down the whole year to this one day. And so it's got to be just perfect. got to be warm and magical and wonderful and, and just like the Hallmark Christmas movies, right? It's got to be just perfect, right? And it's really hard to do that. And let me just say this. I, I hate to bust your bubble here at church and all, but you know what? It's just a day. It's just a day. It's, it's probably not going to be perfect. It may not even turn out just the way that you had hoped. Kind of like these pictures. Check out this one right here. You know, that's... That's not really turning out what they had planned for. Check out this next one. I think that one's making a run for it. I'm not sure. I love this next one here. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's trauma right there. They're going to have to work that one out later. This one is, uh, this says it all, doesn't it? That just says it all. You know, sometimes it just doesn't work out the way that you planned. I remember one of my... Uh, early years I was a little boy and we were out in West Texas and we were making our way uh, to Dallas for Christmas and we our car broke down in Crowell anybody know where Crowell is all right yeah a few people um, there's not much in Crowell I think there's one blinking light and a motel and it's not even a motel six it's more like a motel three all right it is, it is low end and I remember that, that, you know, I was just kind of playing with my little remote control car. I didn't think that much about it, but it was, my mom was not happy. She was in tears because it was not what they had planned for Christmas. But listen, if you are hoping that Christmas is going to bring you joy, that Christmas is going to make you happy, that on that one day, everything's going to line up and everything's going to be just right, then you may miss the joy altogether. Let me just give you one statement here that I want you to hang on to the rest of uh, the day. And here it is. Real joy doesn't come from Christmas. Real joy comes from Christ. It doesn't, doesn't come from Christmas. Christmas is a day. Christmas is an experience. You know, you got gifts and presents and gathering and all that kind of, and it's wonderful. But listen, that one thing cannot give you joy. It's the person of Jesus that gives you joy the person and a relationship with him that gives you what you're looking for. I want you to take your Bible out and I want to show you what I mean. Get your Bible and open it up to Luke chapter two. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one at the rack in front of you. We encourage you to take that out and use it. We'll put the page number on the screen for you to follow along. Uh, everybody with an open Bible. Luke chapter two is where we're going to be uh, today. And we kind of, I alluded to this passage yet, uh, last week, but I want to kind of do a deeper dive into it today. We've actually sung about this passage already uh, today. Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 8. And this is the Word of God. 
In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Now stop right there for just a minute. Uh, this is the story of how Christ uh, came into the world and this declaration of his coming uh, came to shepherds. Shepherds were obviously on the low end of the social spectrum. They were, they were a nomadic group of people. They were always on the outside looking in. Uh, they were often considered kind of shady, nomad type people that no one really knew and nobody really trusted. And yet to this group of people, comes the announcement of the Christ, that Jesus Christ was coming into the world. And this angel appears to them with this royal announcement. And I want you to look at verse 10. Verse 10, it says, the angel said, don't be afraid, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I want you to, it's okay to write in your Bible, I want you to do something. I want you to circle the words good news. The words good news, that's really important. Uh, this word for good news that's used right here, euangelion is the Greek word. It, it's translated good news. It's translated gospel. Same word for gospel. It's a word we get the word evangelism from, which means to share the gospel, to share good news. So this is a very important word because Luke uses it over 23 times in the gospel of Luke and, and, and Acts. So he's saying what they are declaring is something good, good news to us. Now I want you to circle the words uh, great joy. Great joy, literally it's translated mega joy, great joy, overflowing joy, joy that it cannot be contained. And, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to tie those two circles together with a line because these two are inseparably linked. For you to experience great joy means that you have to understand the good news. And really, good news is the only thing, the gospel is the only thing that can really produce great joy in our lives. Things cannot give you great joy. You get Christmas presents, you don't even remember what you got last year, probably. And it's probably broken, even if you could remember it, right? It's under the, it's under the bed somewhere. It's up in the attic somewhere. Uh, we don't, things cannot give us joy. Even people will let us down and can't give us fullness of joy. But listen, the gospel is what brings us great joy. These two go together. So I want to talk about these two things, good news and great joy. Now, at this point in the message, normally I would say, all right, get your paper out, get your pen out. I'm going to give you two or three things to write down, and I would give you some points, all right? That's normally what I do. You guys already know me well enough to know this is coming. However, I'm going to do a little change up, a little head fake. I'm not going to tell you any points to write down. Shock. Now, don't, don't interpret that, that this is a pointless sermon, all right? There is a point to it. But I'm not going to ask you to write down some points. In fact, I'm going to do something different. I'm just going to sit down here and I want to tell you a story, all right? I want to tell you a story about this King Jesus. You see, the, the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, didn't, does not start in Bethlehem. It doesn't start in a manger on that night. The story of King Jesus 
goes all the way back, 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 further back than the nation of Israel, further back than the creation of time, back in eternity past, is where the story of King Jesus begins. Because the Bible teaches us that King Jesus has always been. The, the, the theologian term is pre-existent, that he existed before anything existed. In fact, you may not know this, but that the scripture teaches us that Jesus actually created all that we know and all that we see. In Colossians chapter one, verse 15, it says this, he is, speaking of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. That King Jesus created all that we know and all that we see. The reality that we have time and space was created by and through King Jesus. In fact, that's why Peter, when he was preaching the gospel in Acts chapter 3, verse 15, he called Jesus the author of life. The author of life. So think about that for a minute. King Jesus existed before anything, and through him all things were made. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and through him all things were made. And without him not anything was made that was made. That's what John says in John chapter 1. This King Jesus had always been. But there was something that caused King Jesus to step down from his earth, his, his heavenly uh, glory, from his eternal majesty, and step down to earth. And what is that? Well, that's because the Father sent him. Over and over in the Bible, we're told that Jesus was sent by the Father to come to earth. That Jesus was sent. In fact, Jesus himself said multiple times, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you. Uh, many times he referred to him being sent to this earth. Now, why was the King of glory, the eternal Son, sent down to this earth? Well, that's where you and I come into the picture. See, the Bible says that Jesus created you and I, that God created you and I, to have a relationship with him, to know him in a deep and a personal way, to walk with him and have fellowship with him and enjoy him and to fulfill the purpose for which he has given us life. But sin changed all of that. You see, when Adam, the first man, sinned, then then it's almost as if the pollution of sin was poured into the bloodstream of every man and every woman. And the fact is that every one of us here today and every one of us on this planet are sinners by nature and by choice. That we've fallen short of the glory of God. We're separated from God because of our sin. That's what sin does. It separates us. It creates distance. You ever feel like, man, I'm praying, but my prayers don't get past the ceiling. You ever feel distant from God in some way, something even on the inside that says there's something terribly wrong in my relationship with God. That is our conscience and our awareness of our sinful state. And the Bible says that our sin must be punished. That punishment is separation and death. And so this is why King Jesus came. King Jesus came to deal with our sin problem. He came, he left his home in heaven to come to this earth to deal with our sin, yours 
and mine. In fact, did you know that there's actually a verse in the passage in the Bible that describes a conversation between God the Father and God the Son in heaven on that night before Christmas, where they're discussing why he is going to earth. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. This is what it says. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, speaking of Jesus, he said, you did not desire sacrifices and offerings, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, see, it is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. He said, Father, I know that all these sacrifices, bulls and rams, these cannot possibly wipe away sin. And I know that the prophets have been writing that one will come. It's written about it. And now you are preparing a body for me so that I can go and be the ultimate sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice. That's why they call Jesus the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so here the eternal son, the king of glory was sent down to this earth and took on the form of a human in order to deal with our sin problem. And that leads us back to Luke uh, and the birth of Jesus and the announcement of the angels. Look, look at uh, verse 11 right there in Luke 2. Look at verse 11. The angel said, today in the city of David, a savior was born to you or for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. I want you to notice it says that this Messiah is going to be born in the city of David. That's really important. David was one of the greatest kings in Israel. In fact, David was a man after God's own heart. David had a relationship with God that was special. And David wrote much of the Psalms uh, that we have in our Bible today. And because David loved the Lord with all of his heart, God made a promise to David. He said, you know what, David, through your line, through your lineage, through your family tree, I'm going to bring the ultimate king, the eternal king, the Messiah king. He's going to come through your line, the line of David. And so here came Jesus born in the city of David, in the line of David, as prophesied before. And he came into the world. You know, the angel gave him some titles, some interesting names here. One title is Messiah. You see that? He said you will, he will be the Messiah. Some versions say Christ. I'm not sure what your version says, so you might look at it. It's either Christ or Messiah. By the way, Christ is not Jesus' last name. A lot of people think Jesus Christ, like it's like John Brown, right? No, it's not like that. Uh, Christ is his title. It's like president or prime minister. It refers to his kingly authority. He is the Christ, the anointed one. He's called the Christ. He's also called Lord in this passage, which indicates his divinity, his nature, that he is not just a human king. He is a God king. He is God come to us, Emmanuel, God with us. He is the God king. And then the last title speaks to his purpose. He is the Savior. Isn't that good news? He's a savior. He's the God king who comes to save, to rescue. He's the God king who came to forgive. That's what the angel told Joseph 
when he heard the announcement about Mary's pregnancy, he said, you will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Here was Jesus, the eternal son, sent by the father, born in a manger, coming into the world. And this king of glory grew up. He grew to be a young man. And he grew to launch into his public ministry. And as he came, he came declaring that the kingdom of God is near. In fact, he sat down in his home synagogue and he unrolled the scroll of Isaiah. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to declare good news to the poor, sight to the blind, liberty to those who are captive. To usher in this new movement of the kingdom of God. The king had come. He declared the kingdom was near. He taught about the kingdom. He taught it in parables and stories. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, talked to us about what it was like to live under the authority and rule of his reign. And there were some people that saw him, that acknowledged him. There were some people that worshipped him as their eternal king. Uh, Some of them actually put down palm branches and cloaks before him and said, uh, blessed is the man who comes in the name of the Lord, the Christ, the King, the Son of David. They worshiped him as their coming King and loved him. But there were others who did not, who hated him and despised him and plot to kill him. They had him arrested. They tried him. They brought false accusations against him. They criticized him and abused him. And why did they do that? Because he dared to tell them to their face who he was, that he was the one who would come on the clouds of heaven to judge all the nations. And they ripped their clothes and they said, this is blasphemy. How can we stand this any longer? So they handed him over to the Romans. They said, this is a king. And they had, um, they had sport with him. They took him and they said, oh, he's a king, is he? Well, we'll treat him like a king. Every king needs a crown. So they wove together a crown of thorns and pressed it on his head. They said, every king needs a cloak. So they put a cloak around his shoulders Every king needs a scepter, so they put a stick or a reed in his hand, and they would bow down and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And then they would get up and punch him in the face and beat him till he was bloody and unrecognizable. And then they took him and they put a cross on his back and caused him to drag that thing to a place called Calvary, where they did the unthinkable thing of nailing the king of glory to a cross. And then to add insult to injury, they put a placard on top of the cross that said, King of the Jews. People stood around him and they said, if you're a king, come down. If you're so powerful, heal yourself. If you have armies, then call them out. But there was one who saw him, one who knew him. The thief hanging next to him, dying for his own sins, turned to Jesus and said, Lord, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. And that day, the king of glory died. John puts it this way. He said, he was in the world and the world was created through him and yet the world did not recognize him. He came into his own and his own people did not receive him. Why did he come? He came to take your place and my place. If the wages of sin is death, he came to drink it all the way down to the end. To die on that cross that we deserve to die so we could be forgiven. Our sins wiped away that we could be right with God. They took his lifeless body off that cross. They wrapped him up in claws and laid him in a tomb on a stone slab. But that is not where the end of the story is. See, the story continues that this eternal son, this king of glory, could not be pushed down by man, could not be kept down by even the Roman armies and guards. This king of glory rose again from the dead three days later, defeating the grave, defeating death, and doing it in a way that was prophesied hundreds of years before, showing himself to hundreds of people over multiple, multiple days. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scripture that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, that he appeared to Cephas and then to the 12, that he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles, last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. This Jesus, the eternal son, the, the living eternal king, had come, he had defeated death, he defeated the grave, he had risen to life, and not only that, he ascended up into heaven. In fact, just right in front of his disciples as he was teaching them and telling them to go declare the gospel to the nations, he just elevated straight up into the heavens, disappearing into the clouds, and the angel said, this same Jesus who was taken up to heaven before you will come again in the same way. Where is this Jesus? He's at the right hand of the Father. He is in the place of authority and judgment. He has dispatched his Holy Spirit to his people. He is moving among his church, advancing this good news to every nation and every language and every tribe and to every tongue. And he awaits the moment when his Father will send him back to come again. Right now, he's at the place of highest authority. The Bible says in Philippians 2, at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is, somebody tell me, Lord to the glory of God the Father. Folks, he's coming again. Did you know that? I got some really good news for you. He's, his coming is sooner today than it was yesterday. Amen. He's coming again. 
And the next time he comes, he's not going to come in humility. He's not going to come silently on a night in Bethlehem. He's not going to come in obscurity. The next time King Jesus comes, he's going to come in glory. Every eye will see him. Everyone will hear him. The skies will open, the clouds will part, and King Jesus will come in all of his glory with angelic hosts. And the Bible says they're going to come, he's going to have a title on him that says who he is, King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, this is the good news that the angels declared. In fact, you can kind of see it in what they said. Look again at verse 13 of Luke chapter two. It says, then suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. The good news is what brings us great joy. The good news about who Jesus is is what gives us joy even in our most difficult circumstances. You say, well, how is the good news joy giving? How do, how, how do we get joy from this good news about Jesus? What made the angels, I mean, the shepherds so excited to talk about it, to tell everybody? Why did they run into Bethlehem? Why did they leave praising God? Well, I think this good news reminds us of two things about God that we need to know today. The first thing is this, that the good news reminds us that God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. Israel probably thought God had forgotten them. It had been over 400 years since they had heard a prophet or heard of God. There was no movement of God for 400 years of silence. The shepherds probably thought God had forgotten them too. They were pushed to the outcast, unwanted, unseen, unloved. You know, you may feel like sometimes God has forgotten you. Maybe, maybe just things have not gone the way you had hoped. Or maybe you have regrets from your past. Maybe you try to pray and you don't feel like your prayers go past the ceiling. Maybe you feel kind of in your moments of silence that you've gone too far to ever be right with God again. But Christ's coming reminds us that he came for you. Think about what the angel said to these shepherds. He said, for you, a child is born. Jesus came for you. You know why? Because he loves you. Because he cares for you. Because I believe even from eternity past, he saw you and died for you so that you could be right with him. So don't ever feel like that you're forgotten. Christmas reminds you that he remembers, that he sees you. And the second thing that this reminds us is not only that God has not forgotten you, but that God has a plan for you. God's got a purpose. The king comes with an agenda. The king comes with a purpose in mind. And it's a much greater purpose than climbing the corporate ladder or having, having more things or doing more stuff. Listen, this purpose of the king Jesus 
is that you would know him, that you could be forgiven, that you could fulfill the purpose, eternal purpose for which he has given you life and that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. Listen, when, when things throughout Christian history, when things have been the darkest, full of loss and darkness and evil all around, the thing that has given Christians joy in it all has not been their circumstances, it's been Christ. That that will never change. The good news will never change. No matter what you walk through, no matter what you're in right now, no matter what you deal with in your future, nothing can steal away your joy that King Jesus has come, that he knows you, that he's bought you with his own blood, that he's calling you to be his. You see, joy doesn't come from Christmas. Joy comes from Christ. And so how do we respond to this? Well, let me just give you two ways that you can respond. The first way to respond is this. If you know Christ, if you've given your life to Christ, if he's changed you forever, you can remember the time when you've asked Jesus to come into your life. Then listen, why not this year make more of Christ than you do of Christmas? Just make more of Jesus than you do gifts. Make more of Jesus than you do elves, right? Make more of Jesus than you do your meal or your traditions, as fun as they are. Just talk about Jesus. When you gather around the table, when you gather around the tree, talk about what Jesus means to you and what Jesus has done for you. And savor your saving king. And if you're unsure about whether Jesus has really come into your life and changed you, if you go, well, I believe in God, I, I believe the story, but I don't know that Christ has really ever changed my life. I don't know that I'm living any differently now because of Jesus. Then why not now receive Christ? Let him take his rightful place in your life at the center around which everything revolves. Why not experience the joy that he wants to give you? Why don't you bow your heads with me for just a minute? And I'm going to give you an opportunity today to say yes to Jesus. Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to be right with him. There's nothing left undone. This eternal king sent by the father came to this earth, went to a cross, paid for your sin in your place, was buried, rose again, ascended to the right hand, is coming again, this same Jesus says that if you will call on him, he will forgive you. That if you will ask him, you will turn to him, that he will wash you clean. These are the words of Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And if you're here today and you say, you know, I don't know that I have believed in him in a way that's changed me, then I want to give you an opportunity right here, right now. And maybe God has caused you to be here for this moment. There's a divine appointment for you to receive the gift of Jesus.
and all that he brings into your life. So in just a minute, I'm going to say a simple prayer of faith. And I'm going to ask you in a moment just to lift up your hand if you want me to pray for you. And when you lift up your hand, you're just saying, yeah, I need Christ in my life. I don't know for sure if I'm right with God, but I want to be right with God. And as you lift up your hand, you're saying, Lord, save me. Lord, I need you. I'm not going to call you out anyway, but in every service so far this morning, there have been people lifting up their hands saying, I need Jesus in my life. So if today you're here and you need Christ in your life, nobody looking around, just lift up your hand right now and I'll pray for you. Just lift up your hand right now. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus and he be right with God. Just lift up your hand right now. All right. Okay, anybody else? All right. Just lift up your hand. Don't wait, don't delay. All right. Very good. Anybody else? One last chance. Don't. Why would you delay when this is your opportunity? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Put your hand down now. Just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for making a way for me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. So, Father, I'm asking you, please forgive me. Please wash me clean on the inside. I place my trust and my faith in Jesus right now. And I turn from my old way to follow Jesus wherever he leads. I want to live my life for you. Thank you for your love for me. And let me pray for all of us. Father, I thank you so much for your great love for us. This good news that our King has come is what brings us great joy. And that joy can never, ever be taken away from us. No matter what trials or difficulties we face in life, our joy is not based on our circumstances. It is rooted in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go through this week and we enjoy our family and friends as we gather around the tree and we open gifts, as we share our meal together, as we spend time with those that we love. Lord, help us focus on Christ, the Christ of Christmas. Fill our hearts with joy because of what he has done, the greatest gift that you ever gave us. And Lord, help us go into this new year with this new resolve to follow King Jesus wherever he leads, to join him in his mission to declare the gospel to the nations. Lord, use us for your glory and for your purpose until you come again. Even so, Lord, come. We long for your coming. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's thank the Lord for his word today, shall we? Let's thank you.